0: Hello everybody. Welcome to Kingdom of Honor. I am your host Man Shane Sabuni, along with my good buddy, the Honorable Jeff. Hello. And thank you for joining us here on Lords of, of Radios YouTube stream, and also on Kingdom of Honor's YouTube stream. Um, you know, this weekend I, my wife and I, drove about four hours to pick up a puppy. Drove about four hours back. So now we have a brand new three-month-old puppy. And when I put him outside. He kind of turns. He turns around and stares at me, and then I kind of push him down the steps with my foot, and then he looks at me like I punched him in the soul. <laughs> and that's how I felt watching Genesis 2005. Um, you know, we had watched Bound for Glory 2005 last week, and then there was the Impact Special, and then Genesis. I was so excited for. And then the and then there was that mess of an opening, and then there was P.J. Blanco versus Raven. And then there was that absolute clusterfuck of a hockey match. But then Christian goddamn Cage saved the day. From the moment Christian Cage was introduced, that show all the way through was hot fire. So Genesis 2005 did not end up failing me. It ended up being another great show.
1: I agree, but I was thinking, especially through most of it, that it feels like a standard impact. It, It felt like a regular TV show. I mean, like you said, we had the crap at the beginning. Then we had the PJ Polanco and then we had, um, you know, the hockey stick match. And then there was, um, the ending felt more like a, a TV go home show than the end of a pay-per-view. And I think it was more about, you know, introducing Christian cage, but it just felt like something that maybe should have happened live on TV and not on something that somebody paid 50 bucks for
0: probably at that,
1: that time yeah but you? Do you i mean you kind of understand what i'm saying it just I do. it with the with the you know beat down by the heels and then christian comes in to save the day and the swerve and you know all that stuff it just it felt more like a um a regular standard tv show that you would use to hype up the pay-per-view not the actual pay-per-view itself
0: yeah, it was a great it was a great way to pop the live crowd but it probably would have been better for dramatic storytelling purposes that that had not happened
1: if he had if he had debuted the night before you know on impact and cut that promo that he did which by the way is still one of the best promos i've ever heard um, but cut that promo that he uh, that he did and then made his decision and left kind of an open, you know, that's the kind of drama you lead going into a pay-per-view to find out, oh, my God, what's going to happen, you know, with all this stuff? And now Christian Cage, he's aligned against them. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff you want to see going into a pay-per-view, not ending a pay-per-view.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, would, you, would you agree with me, though, that it feels like Christian's arrival just kind of... Um uh, Energize the rest of the show the whole
1: way through. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was I was a little bit shocked. I for some reason don't ever remember him uh, you know debuting on a pay per view, but that's probably because like I said, it felt more like a, a an episode of Impact than an actual pay per view. Um, I mean, the only and, thing and it's
0: probably true that he had he gave a very similar promo the next Impact, which which I haven't got to yet. You know.
1: So. Right. Yeah, I mean he. <laughs> His promo was amazing. It was one of the best I've ever heard. And it's funny. I remember texting you at the time saying that, you know, 15 years later, we're still having the same discussion and how, uh, everybody wants real pro wrestling. And, you know, that, that, uh, promo he cut reminded me a lot of the one that Matt Jackson cut at the end of double or not, uh, not double or nothing, uh, all in Mm -hmm. about how, you know, he wants real pro wrestling and wants to give the fans what they want, and he doesn't want to be a part of, um, you know, comedy or, you know, all these, like, whatever other things. it Basically, it was almost like Nick Jackson was paraphrasing the promo of the Christian Cut 15 years earlier, or 14 years at that time.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, it was it was almost, uh, but I think it was actually a lot of it was um... – actually it was 13 at the time <laughs> but anyway yeah, you're um, right. but uh, but actually um, you know I think a lot of it was I think I think the difference was that Christian was talking about a lot more seemed like like directed more towards the talent whereas the whereas Jackson's promo was directed more towards the fans
1: well, but he did, I mean, he did kind of bring it out about how there was the talent, a bunch of talent, a bunch of old guys and how the product is stale and seems directionalists and all that stuff, which is what he was, you know, part of in, in 98 and 99, once the NWO thing kind of ran its course, um, You know, and he was a part of that in, in WWE. It was the young, hungry guys that wanted to make names for themselves and they were going up against the old tired product, which was WCW. And then, you know, at that time in 2005, that was after the whole SmackDown six thing that was, you know, once they started really kind of jamming the two shows together and not not really having directions with storylines and people where it was all about Cena and, um, you know, it kind of became more of a cluster than anything, and he was, you know, he was referring to that. It was now a, a bunch of older guys that were—they uh, had really no direction. They, you know, the company was they had gotten stale, and he wanted to be with a younger crowd. And I just think it's—it's it's funny that you know, 20 years later, we're still hearing those same promos, and guess who's still on top? You know, it's still the WWE on top. So it's—it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic and and i it's something that it shocked me when i heard the promo it was like god this sounds so familiar oh yeah we just went through this two years ago
0: <laughs> yeah well because it's still true i mean it's still true that the big that's the biggest wrestling company in the world is old and steel and has no new ideas
1: well and it's not just that it's you know it the biggest company in the world is a comedy act now it's not even a wrestling show anymore well, <laughs> if if money in the bank is anything to uh to judge it on it's just a comedy act now it's not even not even fucking wrestling anymore
0: yeah very true um
1: which is sad because they still have some of the top talent in the world
0: and you know some of our listeners might have seen that um another lop radio or no, i'm sorry another lop columnist former lop radio personality mazza um had was doing a series and he actually kind of interviewed me and we went back and forth about my career at LOP and and one of the last questions he asked me was um what was it you know name a time in pro wrestling you would go back to or you that you would choose to, to relive um in in any one company and and I and I started off by saying well that's kind of a you know the correct answer right now about just living wrestling is right now because of all right. all, all the choices that are open, that are option open to you but if i had to pick one company you know I, I went through a list of honorable mentions first but one of my and one of my honorable mentions was 1980s wwf which i still think is better than anything else i've ever seen in the wwf or wwe
1: um, yeah i mean once about 91 is when it started to get stale and bull old, boring and old and you know and then it just never really recovered until about 97.
0: yeah and the attitude era you know but i but i kind of bump all that together with wcw at the same time you know because i it's hard for me to separate what WWF was doing, what WCW was doing, because they were because they were so dependent upon what what each other were doing and and racing against each other that entire time. You know?
1: And there for a time too, they got so similar because once um, you know Bischoff and and WCW started blurring the lines, then WWE jumped right on top of that and started doing it too. They just did it better, you know. So. You got it. I mean, all credit where credit's due. do. They, you know, they just did it better than, than WCW did at the time. And that's why they won the war. But,
0: well, that's, I, I, I just need to correct you slightly. They did it better than Turner did at the time because WCW was already, because WCW had, were hand, was shackled and handcuffed by Turner's, um, um, standards and practices.
1: You can't even really say Turner, Turner Broadcasting. Yeah, Ted T- Ted Turner was a huge fan of the product and just wanted wanted pro wrestling. He didn't care, you know. It, it was the Turner, um, especially once they sold Burnsworth AOL, that they became really kind of a headache.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, my answer to that question, by the way, was 2007 to 2009 Ring of Honor.
1: Which, which, See a nice, which which,
0: which which not surprise you at all because of my big because of my fandom for Nigel McGuinness's title reign.
1: So. Right, but it, to me it's a you know it's it's a toss. I I didn't watch much of that, but 05 TNA 05 to 07 TNA, yeah. I still think is some of the best I've ever seen. Um, I loved the whole Attitude Era, not just um, WWE, but starting in '96 with um, WCW. And then everything that led into that, and then, you know, what came out of it up until probably about 2001. Um, and then I would jump forward to, you know, Wrestle Kingdom 10, and ever since then.
0: Yeah, I, w- I wish I was a, uh, right, the NJPW is, in- the current NJPW is definitely right. And I, and I would actually go back to Wrestle Kingdom 7 for that. But, um, but I, I wish I was a sophisticated enough and, ex- and historical enough fan to see... Hey, it was 1980 it was the 1990 AJPW, but <laughs> I did not have access right. to All Japan at that time and I and I don't have their streaming service to go back and watch it now. So
1: <laughs> Now, and we watch so much wrestling it'd be hard to go back and watch it now. Even now during um you know, all this going on and no real live events and all that stuff, I'm still finding, you know, I haven't seen we haven't seen NJPW in 4 months. Um you know, and even even now without having NJPW and Ring of Honor on the docket, I'm still struggling to find time to watch all the wrestling we wanna watch.
0: Right, exactly. And I mean I think it'd be I think it'd be funny to maybe take like one I should say, you know, we probably could've done it but just like like one month at some point and just get the and get the all Japan streaming Service and go back and watch some Kawada and Toshiaki and, and all those kind of guys and just just to, just to give us a little bit of taste of what it was like back then. But.
1: Well, and because of our watching NJPW for the last six years, we kind of understand Japanese a little bit better. So <laughs> at, at least enough to make it out what's going on.
0: Exactly. Um, all right, so let's get, let's get back into the show. So we, we already talked about how, the, how uh, well, the show started with, um, with Raven facing a mystery partner, who ended up being PJ Polanco, which for those of you who don't know is just incredible. Or if you've never seen *Just Incredible*, then Aldo Montoya. jeez. I just heard. I just heard Jeff's heart.
1: Oh, and oh wow! I just pulled up the Wikipedia rundown. Yeah. Shark Boy uh, defeated Nigel McGuinness in the um, opening dark dark match of this.
0: I know. Doesn't that suck? We didn't get a chance to watch that.
1: That would have been interesting, especially because I mean this is two years before his you know Ring of Honor run that you love so much.
0: And I think and I think it's a couple of years before um, we got we got the, the best version of Sharkboy too.
1: Oh, once he started his Stone Cold bit. Yep. Yeah.
0: But I know it's I know it's not I know not there yet because Eric Young is still part of Team Canada right now.
1: Yeah, and uh, it, we'll we'll get to that. I there's. Um, I get well, you know. I guess there's no better time than the present. I mean, Petey Williams is what is just severely underrated, even back then. And, and it it kind of hurts me a little bit that he got stuck with um, Big Papa Pump and became Little Petey Pump because he was just so good when he was the captain on Team Canada.
0: Yeah, and at this time, he, and this time he's actually the longest reigning estimation champion of all time. I don't know. I don't know if that's still the case, but it, but at, the, at least at this point I thought here, he is.
1: Christopher Daniels was. Uh,
0: no, they, I think did they say Christopher Daniels had him? And Petey Williams overtook him for it, or is it the other way around?
1: It was the other way around.
0: Oh, okay, my bad. All right. So yeah, because so Petey Williams has no claim to fame now at this point, then.
1: <laughs> no, but except for the fact that he's just really, really good, and that that um that annoyed me that his that people popped more for a run of the mill you know, no DQ match where we didn't see anything extraordinary happening between Abyss and Sabu. And then we watched just this classic by AJ Styles and Petey Williams and people sat on their hands. It annoyed me a little bit because it was just, it was such great storytelling. The move sets were, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't what you uh, would come to expect from AJ later on. It was legitimate storytelling. You know, and they they told such a great story. They had, you know, great back and forth. That spot with the, I've seen a lot of crazy, insane stuff, especially when you start looking at junior heavyweights and things like that. But I still think that the most insane spot I've ever seen was that one that uh, Petey Williams, when he did the snap dragon on the ring, on the guardrail. Yeah. I, that that could have been the, I mean, that's like a half a, sp- a split, you know, an inch further and, and AJ's out with a broken neck probably ended his career.
0: Well, you remember, remember last year we talked about, when we talked about, uh, um, Naito versus Ibushi, right. There was, a, they were, they were doing that same spot on the ring and we, and we, we both said like, there's no, there's nothing good that could possibly come of that. You know, no. you know, you know, either, either he hits it perfectly on, on the ring apron, like he did, or he misses it by an inch and Ibushi goes flying it into the guardrail or into or into the, or into the concrete and breaks his neck so so it was amazing to me to see to you know to re to watch this i don't think i ever saw genesis 2005 before so so to see so to see this actually happen in a match i i was just i was just sitting there going yeah there's no way that's going to happen it's like i was like holy shit they really did it
1: yeah i mean i you know this happened in a match and again 15 years before it really became a mainstream thing and we're bitching about wrestler safety right it, it just when i saw that spot it just blew me away i was like holy da, how is now that no why would anyone sign off on that
0: yeah and, and you know it's it, you're so right about pete williams being, being a lot better than you know than he's given credit for i mean and, and and don west kind of had to had to scream that during this match like you know PD williams is more than just a canadian destroyer you know he's right a, he's an outstanding wrestler in his own right but i, I do think that it, I do think that's what Williams is remembered for, for the most part. And and rightfully so. I mean, inventing the flip pile driver, but, um, but I mean, it's too bad that it's kind of, it's kind of overtaken his entire legacy that, You know, that's all people remember it for,
1: really. Well, and I think, I mean, when you look at it, you know, probably three years from now, Team Canada breaks up and he takes kind of a a hiatus away from TNA. And then he comes back as Scott Steiner's understudy. And that's basically the rest of his career is as Scott Steiner's understudy. He doesn't really get to shine on his own after Team Canada breaks up. Which, I mean, some of that could be on the fact that, you know, he left at just the wrong time. And when he came back, the, you know, Bischoff and Hogan didn't know what to do. So they put him with Steiner. I, I don't know, but it, it's just a shame that, that this guy, cause this guy could be, it could have a same similar legacy to what, um, what AJ has. You know, and he's really kind of overshadowed and everything because he just never, he never got to those AJ heights. Well, he was never really kind of given the chance. And it makes me wonder because around that same time was when they wanted to take AJ and make him a uh, Ric Flair light. And they wanted him to dye his hair and start wearing the robes. I mean, he started wearing the robes, but he refused to dye his hair blonde and, and do the whole strut and all that stuff. But it makes me wonder: Had AJ not, you know, stuck to his guns and said, "Absolutely not, I'm not doing that," would AJ be where AJ is now?
0: He, he did Frost's here, didn't he?
1: No, he, yeah, he didn't. Did. He, he did. wouldn't do anything. He flat. He he had an interview where they um they that was one thing that they wanted to do, and he refused to. And because he had some clause in his contract, he was able to say no. Gotcha. But they wanted to make him Rick Flair light there for a while. And I just wonder, you know, where would AJ be now had he done that in 2011?
0: Excellent question. But he didn't, and we're thankful for it. Thank God. Uh, you know, and I was amazed. Like I, I, I actually texted you that this last week, and you never responded to it. But I'm not sure if you got busy or what, but I was amazed. Like I was looking at, I was looking through the NA, NTNA World Title history, just to look at AJ Styles' accomplishments, and. He has, and, and he has actually won his last NWA World Heavyweight Championship before we started watching it Bound for Glory last week, which was October of 2005. He will not hold the TNA World title for the first time until October of 2009.
1: Yeah, four years without it, which, um, I mean, when you see the direction that he goes now, he becomes more of a tag team wrestler. They really um, wrap the X Division around him for the next couple of years, and he becomes, uh, you know, once he starts with uh, Christian, he becomes more of a tag team guy, and then he ends up in that program with Christopher Daniels for a while um, before Daniels leaves and goes back to Ring of Honor, where he's uh, Daniel's tag team partner, and then they go on and win some titles together, and... You know, there's a lot, of, they they have them in a lot of different directions, but when when I think about it, over the next four to five years, you've got Christian and Jarrett who are battling pretty much at the top the whole time for the next two years. And then the second Christian leaves, Kurt Angle pr- basically comes in. It's, it's almost like a passing the torch, because I don't think Angle's there long before he starts up the main event mafia. And you've also got Jeff Hardy, you've also got um abyss you've got you know all kinds of other people there to step up to to um jared so i i guess i don't know but also too it's not long before uh jared, the Jarrett's sell it off to dixie carter and once she does that it becomes all about wwf rejects
0: yeah you know I, I, I just is this kind of guy that i think hogan would ever want to push you know, no so. no and then uh and then it, and then after he after he loses that title to Rob Van Dam, then he doesn't get it back again until 2013. So he, he's actually only a two-time TNA World Champion.
1: Which is funny because he's probably the best, well, no, cuz his title reigns weren't really that great.
0: No, I mean, I but I, I you know, I guess I guess I can take some solace in the fact that they didn't really push the X Division as being lesser than the World div- Title Division at this at this time. So, no. I mean, so him being the top star of the X division was equivalent, really, to Jarrett being the top star in the heavyweight division. It's just that they usually, usually had the, the heavyweight stuff go on last.
1: Well, and and there was a time from uh, from 07 to 09, too, where the X division was the hottest division on the planet. Right. You know, that was the best wrestling on the planet, was watching the X division. So, you know, it, it's well, not well, surprising.
0: It was, it, was, it was for the most part on this card, too.
1: Yeah, it really was. I, that, that four-way, the four-way elimination match was amazing. Or that, you know, four tag team, four-man elimination match was amazing. And the, and the championship match was as well. Right. It was weird seeing the greatest man that ever lived bow out so quickly like that, though.
0: It was, I agree.
1: And, and hearing.
0: But you know what, and maybe it's just me being such a, such a big ROH fan, but. It's always special for me to see Austin Aries and Samoa Joe in the ring together.
1: Yeah. It was It was kind of... Um, it took me a, a, a second to understand what Tanay said, too, when he called it the forearm, because I was waiting to hear the five-arm. Yeah. <laughs> so when he called it the forearm, I was like, wait, wait, no, you got that wrong. <laughs>
0: it just isn't the five-arm yet, is all. Yeah, no. Um, that... that uh, that six-man tag team hockey street fight that, was that was it just me or was that just a complete fucking mess?
1: That hockey stick thing? Yeah. That was more just to get um Kip James over than anything.
0: I, I know. I feel that's how I feel too, because like the rules for the fight were ridiculous. You know, for the with the sticks was ridiculous. And then every time one of the sticks got caught in the ring, somebody would drop it and it would end up in three life crews corner. It was just
1: and then it was like, I mean, one of the stipulations, if I was hearing it right, was you have to climb it to use it, and only the person that's legal can use it.
0: Only the person that's legal can climb it and use it, yep.
1: Right. So, by my understanding, nobody else should have been able to touch it except for the guy who climbed up and got it. So, you know, every time that it got, like when Conan came running in with a shoe on the tip of it, which, by the way, well, that was stupid. It's like (laughs) anybody with any common sense is going to realize that a stick poking you is going to hurt more than a 13-inch shoe. Uh, But regardless, you know, that by their stipulation alone, that never should have happened. He never should have been able to use that. It should have only been BJ or um, Eric Young that was allowed to use it.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Until somebody else went up. Otherwise, why the hell have six sticks up there?
0: Yeah, I, I really did not understand that match and, and it was it was the rules were ridiculous and and you know the other thing that bugged me about that and and see if you can follow follow me here on this, but BJ James started climbing up to the top to get one of the hockey sticks and then he then he was like, Oh, it's too high for me, I'm scared of heights and he tried right. in run Killings to go out and get it. But then then next time BG James is legal in the match, then he go, then he actually does go to the top and
1: get yep. one. Yep. And he climbs up to the top to get it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it um, you know, and then there too with the like you said, the whole stipulation to Eric Young climbed up and got his stick before he was when he wasn't legal. Kip James grabbed it and broke it. So technically Aaron Young Eric Young never should have been able to go up and get another stick. He should have just been done with it. It, it was just it was a poorly done stipulation that just really didn't make much sense and they didn't really do it correct or right and I don't know, I was just annoyed by the whole match.
0: Yeah, you know, when they had initially announced, when they originally talked about it on that Impact special, you know, I thought they were going to have it as a, um, you know, it's basically like, a, like an all-out brawl, but I'm kind of glad they didn't, because that would have that would have interfered with the thrill of, of the of the main event. So.
1: Right, yeah, and that, I mean, that main event was just insanity.
0: Wasn't <laughs> it, though? I, well, actually, hey, I actually put in my description of, of, uh, of tonight's show that, you know if you you know it, it was awesome but it's also kind of a primer for what we're going to see the main event of AEW's pay-per-view
1: <laughs> well it was funny because i think i put in my description you know and this it makes it funny because we weren't even talking about it but that was just, i put in my description that that and an insane i mean insane main event yeah. my my only issue with the main event was and it, it's one of those that i've always really kind of been bothered by is that if you're going to have a no DQ match. Announce it as a no DQ match. If you're going to have a, you know, all-out brawl like that where anything goes, announce it as that. Don't just go to the ring, you know, announcing, "Hey, this is a six-man tag match," and then all hell breaks loose and you just let it go.
0: Well, you know, the, the, I, I think it's fine when you when you know when they set it up the way they did, and then with you know with them saying the, the, you know the referees giving them a lot of discretion. You
1: know. A lot of discretion. Yeah. Was there any discretion? <laughs> there was no discretion. <laughs> I mean, there was, from the start, they rang the bell. You know, I mean, one that's one of the things as being a wrestling fan, that's one thing you know, is that you ring the bells when both competitors are in the ring ready to go. You know, you had three guys that were spread out across the stadium and they just rang the bell. They're like, ah, oh, fuck it, let's do it.
0: But you know what? It did, but it did play to the strength of all the competitors in it too. You
1: know, oh, it did.
0: I mean, I mean, I think I think Jarrett is better in a street fight situation at this t- at this point in his career. I mean, you and I talked about last week of how great he was as US, in USW in world class. But really, ever since you know, at least like you know, '98, he's been better. He was better in a in a hardcore environment than he was in an actual wrestling match. And then Team 3D, of course, was always better in, in that environment as well. So I think I think at least half this. Half of the people in here are well,
1: they were they were in. And Rhino too at that point in his career career was still a better uh, extreme wrestler than <laughs> and, and but then I mean when you looked at the one thing that I loved the most about this match is not only did both team three D and AMW get in their finishers, but all six individual wrestlers got in their finishers.
0: That's right, they did, didn't
1: they? Yep, all six of them did, including the, you know, we had, uh, I, I, and I can't think of the name of them, but Devon hit his, both uh, Storm. Well, I guess.
0: Devon's a saving grace.
1: Yeah, but I guess um, Chris Harris didn't hit his, but he came, you know, he at least had it set up and almost hit it.
0: Yeah, that's true, but, but, they, but he, they did hit the death sentence.
1: So. Yeah, so, I mean, but every single wrestler got a chance to. Display not only their tag team finishers, but their actual finishers, which was something you don't normally see in a match like this.
0: Yeah, and and I I loved that spot with that that spot at the entrance where um, you know Rhino hit the Rhino Driver, and then he's getting up the table to 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 plow Jarrett through it with the Gore, and then Storm interferes and hits him with with the uh, last call. I know it wasn't called the last call at the time, but he hits him with the super kick. That was that, he, was that was really well set up and relaxed, well executed.
1: When he kicked his face off? Yep. I mean, you hear people talking about kicking their face off, but very rarely does a guy blindside someone with a super kick and knock him all the way off the ramp.
0: Yep. That was amazing. And and, and let's give Bruno credit for tumbling down those stairs, too.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I am still disappointed because all I wanted to see was a gore through that table from the backside.
0: Yeah,
1: that especially after they showed us that shot of the table set up like that. That's all I wanted to see was them get a shot of Jared going through the table from behind.
0: Yeah, I mean, even if they even if they'd like reset it up and, and had Storm be the one to go through it, it would have been great. But
1: anybody go through it. All I wanted to see was somebody go through it from, you know, from inside the tunnel.
0: I agree. That would have been awesome. Maybe maybe we do get that payoff somewhere down the line. I don't remember.
1: Hopefully, hopefully we do. But yeah, I mean, all in all, it wasn't as great as the um, last pay per view. Um, they but they did, I mean, they did have a running story throughout the whole thing with the Christian Cage and the debut of the of somebody, and then to have Christian debut in like the middle of the card, so then there was questions on everything going through the rest of the card. It, it worked. It kind of kept the same formula, just not as well as it was done on Bound for Glory
0: exactly yeah i mean i mean bound for glory i mean we can't expect every show to be bound for glory because then every show would be the greatest of all time and right and then you and then nothing would be the greatest of all time
1: exactly exactly which is the danger you get into when you start giving people six and six and a half star matches at that point let's just win it, that's but that is one yeah, of but, but the uh, but even
0: you are sort of saying that's a five plus star match
1: yeah and and see i guess i'm okay more so with that than saying that's the greatest match of all time because forever you know steamboat and flare or steamboat and savage was the greatest match of all time and then it was you know steamboat and flare and then it was you know eventually you can't keep having the greatest match of all time it just, dude, just say that match was phenomenal. Now, saying that's the greatest tag team match I've ever seen—that's one thing. But calling it the greatest of all time just is like a slippery slope.
0: Yeah, I guess. But I, but I mean, it's always the same thing. I mean, it's always. And, and yeah, I mean, you're, there's, you're always going to have recency bias too. But I mean, I right. but I still feel, but I do really do feel like the Young Bucks versus Heyman and Omega was the greatest tag team match I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, I'll agree. It was the best I've ever seen too. And, and it's tough because it wasn't that long ago we were saying Golden Lovers versus Ishii and, uh, and Okada was the greatest tag team match we'd ever seen. You know, and then it was the Golden Lovers versus the Bucks that was the greatest tag team we'd ever seen. But you know, I guess I, I, I agree. I mean, I mean, those
0: are those are still, in my in my opinion, the three top regular tag team matches I've ever seen.
1: I but you know, when you say it's the greatest match you've ever seen, then yeah, that that's that's fine because yeah, it's okay. It's the greatest match in your opinion, and like we've always said, wrestling is opinion. Yeah. You know. You know. I I personally am not a huge huge fan of Sasha Banks, but I know some people that are. You know, and that's that's their choice. Right. Personally, yeah. I'm a Shana Baszler fan.
0: Oh, not me, I hate that chick. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Although I am starting to really enjoy Dr. Britt Baker, I'm not gonna lie. I'm definitely starting to enjoy her.
0: Yeah, I like her character a lot. And, I, and she's and she's pretty good in the ring, right? I also think, also take think Shane. I st- I still would take Shane over any other woman I've ever seen wrestle.
1: So. Oh, absolutely! But I, I Britt Baker. It's amazing how less than a year ago we were saying that she was unproven and and not a very good wrestler. And it's just watching how far she's come in a year is absolutely astonishing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we should. I guess we should also talk about the fact that this is the. Um, not that we don't have known anything else to cover, but I mean, this—we should also talk about the fact that this is the last time we'll see Jeff Hardy on pay-per-view now in TNA for four years.
1: Does he go back to WWE?
0: He does. Yeah, I, th- I think he—I think he has some more substance abuse problems, and he goes back to WWE until he has that—that that run, and then it's in 2000 in, at SummerSlam 2009, or actually the Tuesday after SummerSlam
1: 2009. I guess I didn't realize that because wasn't it? Um, it was before '05 when he won the title there, wasn't it?
0: No. No, he did not win the title in WWE until 2009.
1: 2000, okay.
0: Maybe, maybe 2008. He might, he might have won the WWE title in 2008 and the world title in 2009, but it's, it's something right around that time.
1: So does Matt go to TNA before Jeff does now? I think so. Because I I remember, I mean, Matt was still a big deal in WWE at this point. You know, this was the time when he had, well, I mean, he had had his tag team going with MVP, and he had, um, you know, and shortly after this is when the whole incident with Edge begins.
0: No, shortly before this is.
1: I thought it was uh, 06 when all that started with uh, him getting fired and then becoming, you know, Basically, getting his job back because of his presence on the internet.
0: I'm almost 100% sure it's SummerSlam summer 2005 that he faced Matt Hardy, but I'll look it up right now.
1: That Edge faced Matt Hardy.
0: Yeah, because I thought he faced John Cena at Summersum summer 2006.
1: No, I don't know. I guess.
0: I'm looking it up just to see, because I, I could be wrong.
1: I don't. You know, I like I said, I, I told you this before. I was, I was all in on TNA during this time. So I mean, there was there was a period of time when I wasn't even watching WWF. Once once Cena moved over to Raw and dropped his whole uh, rapper gimmick, mm-hmm. is when I was done with um, you know WWE, and I didn't I didn't look back at WWE until Orton and Legacy was around. Like I missed all of Evolution.
0: Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, uh, yeah, SummerSlam 2005 is when he faced Edge and that knock and got knocked out by him. Okay. Um, I'm looking to see when he came into TNA. Okay, so the Hardy Boys were reunited in 2006, in the in in ECW, WWE, ECW, obviously. Right. And so actually,
1: because Cena went to Raw in 05 after WrestleMania in 2005. Right. And then you shortly after that he had turned into Super Cena, which is what we know now. I I mean, he still had his little bit of his edge, but for the most part, he had turned into Super Cena and was just a vanilla baby face to the point where even the spinning title wasn't spinning anymore. Uh, And then that was about the same time that TNA debuted on Spike. And once TNA debuted on Spike, I, I was out. I was out of WWE, and all I ever watched was TNA until kind of the rise of Orton with legacy.
0: So Matt, so actually Matt doesn't go to TNA until 2011. So I was, I was wrong about that. Okay. But I remember him there being there before that. So he must've been there, there a couple of times maybe in 2005 before he signed back with WWE. Possibly. I remember him being kind of in Ring of Honor and and, uh, TNA at the same time.
1: Well, yeah, because he was in Ring of Honor in 2012 when he was uh, leading the kingdom
0: right okay so that's frankly that's what i was talking about then yeah so yeah so not till 2011 is he in tna which means which means unless they get their shit together and add the, and add those impacts on there we're not going to see a, him on impact there
1: oh they're not those aren't on there huh
0: no it, go, it goes to 2008 and then there's nothing on there then there's nothing until
1: 2015 what is with these companies that like Ring of Honor is having that issue too, where I mean they're now because they have time and they have no other shows and they need something to put on your know, content on, they're they're finally going back and scrubbing some of those older ones. But you know, I don't understand. It's where where does a company like TNA and Impact lose those rights to where they can't even broadcast their own stuff?
0: Um I don't I, I think TNA signed it over to Viacom at some point during that during the Maybe that maybe that was um, part of getting Spike to resign them to a new contract was that they had to give up those rights. I have no idea. But I mean, but I mean, there's Seven Destination America and all those other stuff. They're, they still have the rights. to it. it was, it was their, it was their set, probably their second deal on with Spike with or slash Viacom that they don't have that. Which which is really sad because. It's not like Viacom's gonna do anything with it. I mean, they're not gonna—they're not gonna fucking broadcast TNA's past shows on Paramount Network.
1: No. And wasn't that 2011, 12, and 13? Wasn't that when Fortune was big?
0: That sounds right.
1: So, I mean, you're literally missing out on one of the biggest factions in the history of the company.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be fair. <laughs> The way that the way that you know you and I have followed WWE for years is just watching pay per view to pay per view, so we can always do the same thing for TNA. It's just that we 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 just oh, miss, we would just miss the impacts.
1: Oh well, yeah, okay, that's not a big deal. But I I don't have time to go back and watch all those impacts. I mean, I
0: well, no, but you, but if you think about it, that's <coughs> that's, that's uh that's actually like a, like during the rise of Matt Hardy's character, where he first won the world title, where EC3 turned on him. So I mean, you wouldn't you'd miss a lot of the rise of EC3 if they don't have that stuff on before you know by the time we get
1: there. Oh, wow. I guess I didn't realize that that's when EC3 was a big deal. I thought he didn't really become anything until about 14 or 15.
0: Right, that's it. But, but I said there's there's a little bit in 15, there's a little bit in 16, and then it's basically 17 on that's on there after
1: 2008. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, that sucks. So basically when Dixie was having financial problems, she sold the rights? Yes. Bitch.
0: Yes, that's probably what happened, but... Yeah, I mean, hopefully they can get the race back to Viacom. Because like I said, what's Viacom going to do with
1: it? Well, you know, what's Viacom going to do with the X-Men at this point? <laughs> or not Viacom. I, um, I, I, I'm thinking Sony and Spider-Man. Because they're not making money off Spider-Man. It's the Marvel Cinematic Universe that's making money.
0: Well, no, they're, they're, create, they're still creating a Spider-Verse with like you know Black Sable, and they're, they're creating a Morbius movie, they're doing another Venom movie, they're doing a Carnage movie, so, so I, think they'll be, I think they'll be okay, because it's not just Spider-Man, it's the Spider-Man universe.
1: Yeah, but outside of Spider-Man, it's not as... But then again, too, I mean, um, Iron Man was a great character, but wasn't the household character he is now, you know, had it not been for the way that Marvel did him.
0: I'm looking forward to Morbius. <laughs> That's going to be awesome.
1: You're looking forward to what Morbius Morbius yeah. yeah yeah I don't know it was uh another part of this I th- though I, th- that I was...
0: think I think Sony will take it I just I'm sorry I just think Sony will take it will take things in a darker manner than Disney ever would on the Marvel side you know so I think I think having something more like carnage and Morbius and things like that is gonna be pretty awesome
1: yeah probably one thing too that was kind of um, not really explainable. Was at this point in time? Isn't Samoa Joe and a, a face and um, a heel?
0: I think they're both heels at this time, actually.
1: I thought Samoa Joe was kind of a face because this was during his, where everyone was chanting and cheering about his dance and all that stuff, and you know, getting behind the Joe's gonna kill you chance and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, this is pro wrestling, Jeff, and in that time, and and for, for even back in two thousand five. People cheered who they wanted to cheer, regardless of, of their alignment.
1: Not as much as they do now. I mean, I, I seem to remember people. Um, well, yeah, I guess you're right, because this was around the time when people were cheering Triple H and Legacy, and Cena was technically a bad guy, but people were cheering him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think Joe was. I don't think Joe was a babyface here at all.
1: it it was, it just was kind of odd watching him turn heel against a heel. And it it, it almost kind of makes it, it, it's almost kind of making it to where Christopher Daniels is kind of going to be a baby face after this with the way he got beat down. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I I think so. Yeah, definitely. I think that's I think that's the case, but I, but I do think that Joe was at least a tweener if he wasn't a full out
1: heel at this point. Oh, he became a full-out heel because this is when he started coming to the ring with his um, bloody towel. blood-stained towel and did that until he had his uh, payoff match with CD.
0: Yeah, you know, it's hard to remember him. and never, It's hard to remember that he, that he didn't always do that, but obviously there had to be an origin to the towel.
1: So, oh, yeah. So, so yep. this
0: was it that we saw.
1: This was the origin, and, and he debuted that bloody towel when he came out to stare down AJ. And
0: you know, I, and, and you know what? I know there's been you know, eight man elimination matches with more drama and more stakes than this, than this one did. But goddamn, this was a great one. This, this might be my favorite one I've ever seen.
1: Well, this was, this was well done because clearly Joe and DCD were the top two, Mm -hmm. top two draws to this, especially at this time. I mean, we all know what Saban and Aries and, and Shelly and Strong all become, Mm -hmm. but clearly this was a stage for Daniels and Samoa Joe. Chris Sabin was kind of on the rise. He was like the top of the of the face side. Um, Bentley had his whole following, but this was a weird mixture because I never looked at Matt Bentley as being somebody that was going to team with a Chris Sabin. He he fit more in with Christopher Daniels and Samoa Joe at this time. Um, Where Roderick Strong kind of fit more in with the other side. Sanjay Dutt, I've just never understood.
0: Good. Thank you for saying that. I was about—I was going about to say—I I was just about to ask you what your opinion on Sanjay Dutt was because I never got the appeal of him. Yeah, yeah. And that sprinkler is fucking stupid.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was really—he was always pushed to some really big deal, and I just never got it. I never got the love for Sanjay Dutt the way that TNA pushed him. He was never anything special, he was never anything flashy, he was never anything that was um you know something you would look for. He would have made a perfect heel because he was a foreigner. You know, because they didn't do anything with him as a baby face to make him likable. And I hate that stereotype. I've always hated that stereotype. Of, you're the foreigner, so you're the heel. But if you're not going to be the heel as a foreigner, you have to at least be something special as a face. And he wasn't
0: so sure he was Jeff. He was this, he was the original player from the Himalaya.
1: And he did that stupid sprinkler dance all the time.
0: Whatever the hell, whatever, whatever the, hell the original player from the Himalaya is supposed to mean, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way with Sanjay Dett in 2005 and, and probably like through 2009. I'm guessing, I'm, I'm thinking I'm trying to think how long he was there, but that I do, that I do about, did about DJ Z. You know, Zima Ion, to me, I,
1: yeah, I, I never really bought into, I never really bought into the whole DJ Z thing either.
0: Yeah. But even as Zima Ion, I thought he was,
1: you know, oh, thought wow.
0: was overrated, you know,
1: he's a, um, he's a producer now with WWE. Who is Sanjay Dutt? Oh, really? Yeah. His real name is Ratish Pahala. Hmm. He's okay. currently signed to WWE as a producer interesting he started working for tna in 2003 in the x division winning the impact x division championship in 2017 he also competed for global force wrestling when Jarrett was trying to start that up wow i didn't he literally just left impact 2017 to 2019 he was with impact
0: wow why
1: i i don't know <laughs> and how did we not see him before now oh i know because he's sanjay dutt yeah but yeah he's a he's a producer at wwe now so there's that and sabu you know it's weird to hear our for us to say this because when we're doing our legacy uh thing and you know the extreme series that we're doing on on ecw we've been praising sabu for his you know just his character and the the fact that he's really living that hom- homicidal so suicidal character and he you don't do it Anything to win. Now he, at this point in his career in TNA, he's more of just a joke.
0: Yeah. I and, he. And, and 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 how and how bizarre was it to hear him yell at the cameraman, "Get the fuck out of the way." I mean, perfect. I, 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 I mean, I mean, I know that the guy's from wish. Michigan, but but I mean, that's not what his character. No, he's is from
1: he's from it. New York. No, he's New he's from New York. Damn. <laughs> nope, Staten Island, New York. I'm looking at it right now.
0: Oh, okay. I thought he's from Michigan.
1: Yeah. Okay. Born December 12th in uh, Staten Island, New York. Hey, he was born on my birthday.
0: Happy birthday to you, Joe.
1: We're birthday buddies. Cool. But he was born as, oh, he used to go by the name Terry Snooka.
0: The point is, he was supposed to be playing an Indian guy that didn't know how to speak English, and then he, he goes, "Get the fuck out of the way to the camera."
1: Yeah, yeah, in perfect English, and it was like, "Oh wow, way to break the fifth wall, there, guys." <laughs> That's not even the fourth wall; we're fifth wall breaking here. Yeah, crazy. Um, but he, uh he just, I, I don't know. By this point, career it, it's not. It's not a shock to see thumbtacks and to see, um, you know, the barbed wire bats and and stuff like that. And the storyline with Abyss being afraid of barbed wire. Seriously. Aren't you? Uh, No, not to the point where I'm going to cower and hide behind my manager because somebody says the word barbed wire. (laughs) It does. I, I, I I I don't
0: know if you've seen that movie. It's pretty bad.
1: It's, well, no, it was great. That first 10 minutes, oh, my Pamela Anderson. hoofed is that,
0: is that, That's how long you lasted was 10 minutes,
1: huh? Yeah, it's after that I was sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I was worn out after 10 minutes, I had to take a nap. After the rest of the movie.
0: Understandable.
1: Uh. The, uh, then it then just, then it, then it's then work, just work, one of those.
0: Then you woke up, to take a shower and wash your sheets.
1: Yep. And then, um, rewound it and watch the first 10 minutes again. <laughs> um, the, uh, it just, it's one of those things that just, it, it's such a stretch from his character that it was so bad that I just, I didn't, I, I, I could not get into that whole thing. And it, it was leading into it to watching those three impacts It was just like really this is the storyline we're gonna go he's deathly afraid of the word barbed wire apparently and then he didn't play it up like you would think that if you're that afraid of barbed wire you wouldn't know where it is all the time and you wouldn't even want to slam your opponent on it because it might touch you
0: yeah it will be interesting to see how that that evolves because you know obviously somebody's no longer afraid of barbed wire because his his ultimate weapon is Janice, which is a which is wrapped in barbed wire.
1: No, yeah. it was the thumbtack. It was the nails through the two x four. Janice was the nails.
0: Oh, was it? Okay. Yep.
1: Right. That was uh, you're thinking of Foley's barbed wire bat.
0: I was thinking of both actually. I did. I guess I didn't. But yeah, you I think you're right. Yeah, Janus was the. Yeah, it is. It is the nails, isn't it?
1: Yep. Okay. Janus was the Janus was the like literal. I can't believe you're actually bringing that to ringside and threatening to hit somebody with it because that could straight up kill them.
0: Yeah, you know, I always, I always like think about things like, um, like you know, today is Julian. Like, you know, this is anything goes match. Like, well, why aren't they bringing a fucking machine gun out there with them? let's quit is because they want to get more more personal than that with
1: with each other. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's pro wrestling. They need to get down dirty and personal, and <laughs> you know, we're but it's you know, I just
0: thrower motherfucker.
1: I actually, I mean, I, I thought this was another very well done pay-per-view. It's, we've talked about this before. I, when you watch the greatest thing ever, it's hard to come back and watch the next one and not be like, Oh, that was kind of disappointment. Mm -hmm. Um, But the reality is, is this was so well done too. And it followed a lot of the exact same formula that, that bound for glory did. And you can tell that this time in, in, TNA they're really kind of developing that formula to where it really kind of hits its stride in 06 and 07. I just wish this had felt a little bit less like an impact with the jobber matches in the beginning and the you know and the craziness with the that stick match and then you know the you like to save those kind of beatdowns for an impact. You don't want you want the ending of a pay-per-view is always supposed to be the payoff to the heel storyline, to the heel versus face storyline. So Team 3D and Rhino getting the win and standing tall is the payoff. Right. Not having the bad guys do the beat down and then the good guys come in and save them and then the swerve, you know, that's, like I said, that's a go-home show moment. That's not a payoff to a pay-per-view moment. The payoff to the pay-per-view is that the heels got there got their comeuppance and the and the faces were standing tall right. and that's i think that's and, a and lot and of the, the,
0: and that's what baguette did so well is that you know the you know team 3d had been had not been seen for a month and you know rhino had to go through all that all that uh, uh all those obstacles in order to overcome to, to win the world championship and and so he won the world title but then he was getting beaten down in team 3d returns after being you know, after being um, having the funeral on all that and all that shit, so that's what Bound for Glory did so well. Whereas they, I think they tried to recreate it a little bit too much and did overbook the ending of this one.
1: Well, and see, that's that's like I said, the the ending of Bound for Glory was was really overbooked, and and we talked about it last week. Had it been any other match, any other time, and a different circumstances, I would have been screaming all you know, high heaven that that was overbooked and garbage because of it. But the way it was done throughout the night made it work so well this one like you said maybe they were trying too hard to recreate you know normally i don't like the run-in at the end of a pay-per-view but i i guess it's not so much the run-in that i have an issue with it's like the debut and this was a christian debut this shouldn't have been christian um you know doing his little heel swerve at the end or his little face swerve at the end of it
0: no not at all that, and, that was, and that actually made it worse to me. Is like, you know, what was the point of him showing the Team Canada thing? And then and, – because nothing would have changed with the situation if he had not done that, you know?
1: Right. So. Yeah, it just it just felt more like a um, – more like a
0: – An impact. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're trying to say. All right. So anything else for this week?
1: no actually you know what i'm i'm done
0: okay so where else can they listen to us at jeff
1: they can listen to us all over the place hopefully one of them places they're listening to us is not only i mean i is on our youtube you know we got I guess we're broadcasting live right now on two different YouTubes on, on our personal one, kingdom of com, or I mean, YouTube slash kingdom of honor. And then also on uh, YouTube slash Lords of pain. Uh, if you're listening to us on either one of them, go ahead, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, ring the notification bell, uh, especially on the kingdom of honor one, because we do this not only twice a week with um, the wrestling, but we do hit a, uh, you know, we try to at least once a month hit a, um, uh, youtube exclusive show uh you can also check us out on on our patreon channel it's patreon.com slash kingdom of honor everything we do is up there in the archives um and then we do exclusive only patreon shows which unfortunately we're not going to get to this week we're going to be shooting more towards next week with it but um you know with the long weekend coming up I, we got a little more time to watch some stuff and maybe get caught up on some stuff but um yeah, be sure to go to Patreon.com/slash Kingdom of Honor. Uh, hit you know subscribe to us, ring some or do some notification. Oh my god, I can't even talk. Um, you know, subscribe to one of our one of our tiers. Uh, help us out, donate a little bit so we can keep this going. Uh, and then of course our Twitter. I'm at Rigi Coop. He is at Zanman L-O-P. Uh, best way to find us is hashtag K O H and half hashtag D A D.
0: And stay tuned to all the other uh, content here on LOP Radio. Tomorrow night we'll be back with you with Dynamite After Dark, right after Dynamite goes off the air. And next week we're actually going to, to do a, a. We're going to actually go to, to go to talk about Dynamite while Dynamite is airing, and then also talk about Kingdom or about um, uh, Double or Nothing at the same time. So.
1: Yeah, and to be honest, these headphones haven't been a complete detriment like I thought they would be. So since my new ones aren't aren't going to be in yet, that shouldn't be an issue. All right. Good. So yeah. Cool. So uh, we're doing, what are we doing next week? We're doing final battle or no, not final battle. What do they call it? Their final resolution? Uh,
0: yeah. Final resolution, final resolution 2005.
1: Yep. And with this long weekend, is it, is you it, know,
0: or is it turning point?
1: might be turning point. I don't, I don't remember. Whatever the final one of 2005 was. And who knows, you know, with the weekend I've got here, I got a nice long weekend, four day weekend. Um, I will be kid free. Uh, so I might actually get lock and key and done this weekend if you want to do that on Monday, Monday as well. Did I lose you? Shane, are you there? I think I might have lost Shane. Looks like he is not here right now, so I I don't know. Um, <clears throat> since I have lost Shane, I I guess we'll have to talk about that. Um, you know, do that, I'll talk about that another time. Uh, as far as you know, be sure to listen to the rest of the week here on Lords of Pain uh, on youtube channel is as tomorrow night uh we will be doing covering aew's uh aftershock after dynamite um live on our our youtube channel as well as um lords of pain radio youtube channel also imp uh will be here on thursday and i believe miss fan is here on friday uh covering something that's you know, unfortunately that's something that shane's got access to so uh mm-hmm. you know guys um Steal a phrase from my partner, long days, pleasant nights, and I am going to do my thing and say goodbye.